0: It is a word that means from the beginning of the process, completed to the end of the process. So there's a maturing process that every believer needs to enter into and continue in, in our spiritual education. Your spirit can be educated. And I'm not talking about an intellectual education. I'm talking about spiritual education. I'm talking about you being able to recognize spiritual things and to grow where spiritual things are concerned. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're just going to let the Scripture uh, put the pieces of this together for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let's look at verse 16. For which cause we faint not... But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Though our outward man perish or decay, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. That is something that we need to recognize and give attention to. This body is increasing in age. But in my spirit, I am daily renewed with spiritual strength. My inward man, notice this is what he refers to as our heart, the inward man. The inward man. He's talking about you. You are a spirit. You have a soul Your soul would be your mind, your will, your emotions. You have it, but that's not you. You are not your emotions. You are not your will. You are not your body. You are not your mind. You have a mind. You have a a will. You have emotions, but that is not the real you. The real you is the one who has received Jesus as Lord and been born again. And he refers to you as the inward man. And now he's making a contrast. There's an inward man and there's an outward man. The outward man is what everybody else can see. Right. But that is not the real you. It's your mobile home. All right. We all have a mobile home. Amen. It, without this body, it, I would not have the right to be here. But because of this body, it, I can move around in the earth and I can interact. But it's not the me on the inside. There's an inward man. And that inward man is renewed day by day. Now, we want to recognize the difference. So let's also look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27. And we're looking for that contrast that we saw in the previous verse, the outward man and the inward man. So Paul says in 9.27 of 1 Corinthians, but I keep under my body. Notice he says I And then he makes a a determination, a difference between who I am and who my body is. I keep under my body and bring it, not bring me, not bring myself, bring it, the body. Because I am the inward man. I am the, the person alive unto God. I am the spirit recreated in the image of God. Amen. Hallelujah. I, what do I do? I've, I am responsible to keep it under. So we see that there's a distinction. He refers to himself as I, and then he refers to his body as it. Hallelujah. And then in Romans chapter 12, the apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, instructs saved people what to do with their bodies and with their minds, or their souls, you could say, their body and their soul. Romans and chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. You, you is that inward man. What do you do? You present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so he says present your bodies to the service of the Lord present your bodies in Romans uh, chapter 6 he says yield your bodies as m- members of righteousness yield yield your body as an instrument of righteousness hallelujah so i as the newborn alive unto god person i can present my body as a tool for righteous living i pre- I'm, I'm responsible to do that the spirit me the spirit the who i am as a born again spirit i present my body and i renew my soul It's talking about renewing the mind, but we have other instances where he says, for instance, in Psalm chapter 23, there's a restoration for the soul. It says, he restoreth my soul, right? And so the emotions, the mind, the will, they need to be be renewed. They need to be renewed constantly because we are, through the soul, having to interact with this ungodly world. We're having to interact with the, the different uh, operations of the curse that are operating here. We have to interact with, with people and with situations. And we have, in, in doing that, there are things that come against our emotions and things that come against our mind. So if we will keep up a habit of constantly renewing the mind and renewing and, and letting the, the Word of God restore our soul we won't get worn out. Amen? But he says that's what the believer is supposed to do, present your bodies and be in the process of renewing your mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's the inward man that we need to give some attention to. Because we have been all of our life, before Christ, trained... To focus on the mind we we spent years in school building our intellect and that's good that's good for us to establish uh, uh learning and intellect but that's not more important than educating my spirit with spiritual things amen it's important just like it says godly exercise uh it says that that's that natural exercise profits a little we need the little it profits bodily exercise. We need the profit we can get from the bodily exercise, but then it says the godliness is profitable even more. Amen? In the same way, the spiritual education, educating our spirit in spiritual things is even as more important than educating our mind in intellectual things. There's no reason that we can't do the one and also the other. Praise God. But we need to give it place. We need to give it priority. This this educating of the spirit and learning how to, uh, preparing our spirit to uh, interact with God. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 14. 1 Corinthians 2 and 14 Says the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. That's not referring to a sinful person, it's that's referring to a a believer. We all have a natural aspect of who we are the natural, the flesh side of us, the just the human part of us. But the human part of me, the natural part of me, is not what receives. The things of God. It is not what receives the things of God. In my new book that's coming out, Escaping Hell, I talked about um, how uh, I went to church and I heard people say things like, well, you know, I was praying and the Lord said to me, the Lord said what? i would not been raised around an understanding that God would talk to you, and I thought that was the weirdest thing for them to say that God had spoken to them, that God had directed them to do something. Now it seems so natural to me, but then it was so foreign to me, and they would say things like, Well, the Lord, the Lord dealt with me about that. He what? The Lord spoke to me, and then I said, Okay how? How did you hear God? And I began to ask people, how do you hear God? How do you hear God? And and people would say, well, just listen. So I'd get done praying. I'd go through what I'm just learning how to pray, you know, and I'm praying. And and then I would sit there and sit there and sit there. Why? Because I'm listening here. I'm, I'm listening here, and you know, suddenly I could hear the neighbors two doors down. I could hear dogs and, and trains and things that I didn't even know. that I didn't even know there was a train that close. I could hear the train whistle until I started really listening. Because I was listening here. I wasn't educated on how to hear with my heart. How to hear with the inward man. So, He says, the natural man, the natural part of man is not what receives the things of the spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. So I can't receive and I can't know. But now that I am alive unto God and my spirit is alive, if I will learn, if I will train my spirit, if I will build up my spirit, I can receive and know. It says they are spiritually, the things of the Spirit of God are spiritually discerned. And the word discerned means realize, comprehended, or appropriate realize, comprehend, appropriate. How do I do it? I've got to do it spiritually. It's not a realization with the mind. It's a realization with your spirit. So when people say things like faith is blind, faith isn't blind, faith sees. Faith sees what the eye can't see. Why? Because... Faith is a spiritual sense, a spiritual application that gives me the, it, it's, it's, it gives me an ability that my eyes don't give me. I've seen things with faith that these eyes have never seen. Amen. I've seen it with faith. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life, but these eyes have never seen it. But my faith has seen it. Amen? So there are, it's a realization. It's a comprehension that is spiritual. So that's what we want to do. And then it says in verse 15, he that is spiritual judges. So the word judge is not talking about a, a person uh, passing a judgment it is the word that means to examine, to investigate. And here's one I like. To inspect or look through a series of objects to distinguish or search. He that is spiritual can search through things, in examining them, investigating them, inspecting these objects, these things of the Spirit, to distinguish or search. Hallelujah. So it is the inward man, my spirit, who will receive from God. It is my inward man who God wants to talk to. It is my inward man who God wants to reveal things to. Proverbs 20 and verse 27 refers to the inward man as a lamp of God, a lamp of God. Proverbs 20, verse 27, the spirit of man is the candle or the lamp of the Lord. The candle or the lamp, we don't use candles for the purpose of lighting our room like they did in the Old Testament. So it would be appropriate for us to say, My spirit is like the light fixture. It brings light to the room. It illuminates so that I can see. If I have the lights on, I can walk through the house without tripping. If I have the lights on, I'm not going to be stumping my toe on the furniture or stepping on the dog's toy or whatever child's toy has been left on the floor. If I've got the lights on, I can move quickly, I can move accurately right? The spirit is where the lights come on. The spirit is where God reveals things and shows us and gives us the light that we can live by. So our spirit is important in our walk with God. Our born-again spirit and the condition of our spirit is important. Hallelujah. In First Peter chapter 3, and I know I'm moving through some scriptures today, but I need you to connect the dots. I need you to see the picture that is revealed to us by these different phrases used in the New Testament to describe because you're, you won't understand what you're capable of without the manufacturer's handbook. Amen. We are not going to be those people who have the top-of-the-line smartphone, and all they know how to do is make a phone call and take a picture. That is not going to be you. No, you're going to be able to say, Hey, I know how to do all kinds of things with what God has given me. I know how to utilize all the different apps God downloaded on my hard drive. I know how to use the system that God has, has established in me so that I, I can access answers I can understand directions that come from the Holy Spirit. I can see in the Word how to direct my life. I can understand the leading and the prompting of the Holy Spirit and so that I'm always out ahead of the situation. I'm not trying to, to barely keep my head above water. I am, I am moving forward in the plan of God because I am accessing all the equipment that He has downloaded in my spirit. So when we look here at First Peter chapter 3, let's look at verse 4. He gives us another phrase for us to see. Let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. So God has defined for us the human spirit as the hidden man of the heart the hidden man of the heart. Hallelujah. So we have the inward man that we saw from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We have the hidden man of the heart. And then Romans chapter 7 also gives us that same uh, phraseology that we saw from Corinthians. Romans 7.22 refers to us as the inward man. For we know... uh, that's 8.22, 7.22, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. So the hidden man of the heart, the inward man, that's the real me. That's the real me and that's the part of me that needs to be developed so that God can accurately deal with me and I can accurately correspond with him and follow him. This is where God's going to contact me, and this is where I believe from. Romans chapter 10 says, with the heart, man believes. With the inward man, with the hidden man of the heart, man believes. So this is where God's going to shine the light. This is where he's going to reveal things to me. This in the real me is the part of me that believes him. So this this believing with the heart, this this receiving from God is something that needs to be um, making progress in my life. I need to be making progress. I need to be giving attention to my walk with God. I need to be giving attention to the condition of my heart. Because I don't want the condition of my heart to... Now, I have met some people. And you don't have to raise your hand if you've met some people. But let me tell you, I've met some people that were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they could speak with other tongues, but they were bitter. And they were backbiters. And they were scornful. And they were critical. And they were unforgiving. And they were filled with the Spirit and they could talk with tongues and some of them could even give a tongue and in an interpretation or, or a word or, or something else. But that doesn't mean they were mature. That didn't make them mature because the, the gifts of the Spirit operates as the Spirit wills. We even have an example in the book of Acts of people who got filled with the Holy Spirit and began to operate in this and prophesy right after they got filled with the Holy Spirit. So that doesn't require maturity to prophesy. It doesn't require maturity to have a word of knowledge. It just requires a yielding to the gift of the Spirit, as the Spirit wills. But He doesn't want us to have that condition in our life that we have the Holy Spirit, that he, he, that's what was wrong in the whole 1 Corinthians when he is dealing with that letter to the church at Corinth, they had the gifts of the Spirit, but they didn't have the maturity to, to work them with the right motive. And he said, if you don't have love, all of those things are empty. It's just noise in the ears of God. Right? So he was telling them maturity, the condition of the heart, is something that needs your attention. Let's look at a few interactions that the Holy Spirit had in the New Testament church where this is concerned. First of all, we'll look at Ephesians 4, and we'll find out the plan of God where that maturing of the Spirit is is indicated. Ephesians 4, 12 through 15. Jesus gave unto the church... He has given gifts, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, teachers, pastors, for the perfecting of the saints. For the perfecting, again, maturing, bringing from the beginning of the process to the end of the process. You know, a child is born with all of the bones that they're going to need, they're born with all of their organs and all of their ligaments and tendons and they're born with, but they're not, they're not fully developed yet. It takes time for the development of that child. It takes time for their bones to grow, but they will reach a place of development. It takes the time for their emotions to grow. It takes the time for their minds to grow. All of that takes a, a process. So the maturing process for the believer, for the born-again person, also there's a beginning and there's a process and there's a maturing. And he says here in Ephesians 4 that these gifts, these spiritual equippings, the apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers are given for the maturing to help bring the saints through this process of maturity for the work of the ministry. So the more we are working in this process, the more effective we are for the work of the ministry. We're talking about Jesus' ministry. We're talking about the ministry of God on the earth today. The more we are developing our spirits, the more effective we are in the work of the ministry of God. God needs us to grow. He needs us to go through this process. He needs us to mature and to give attention to the condition of our born-again spirits so that we can be effective in the work of the ministry. And then when the work of the ministry is being effective, then there's going to be an edifying of the entire body of Christ. That's our local church, and that's also the body of Christ throughout the world. Because as the the believer is maturing, as the, the, the spirit in each and every one of us is growing in our ability to receive information from God, to walk in the light of his word, we're working in the ministry, the body of Christ is being strengthened and edified. And then it says, there's a purpose and a goal and objective till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God. So God's taken us somewhere. None of us, none of us can put, put ourselves in coast and say, I'm all that. I'm all that. I'm good. I'm good. You know, I'm saved and I go to church and I give my tithes and it's all good. No, we've all got growth. We've all got maturing. We've all got a process that's underway so that we can, as a whole body of Christ, come into a place of unity, of faith, and knowledge. And then it says, unto a perfect, again, mature, well-developed. God's talking about the body, whole body, having a maturity. Till we come unto a perfect man, Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's the, that's the objective. The measure of the stature or the height and the fullness of the anointed one and his anointing. Glory to God. So this, this process is a growth process. Speaking the truth in love, verse 15. Speaking the truth in love, we may grow up into him in all things say that with me right now i need to grow up into him in all things say it again i need to grow up into him in all things hallelujah hallelujah so this growth notice it's connected to the word speaking the truth the Word of God is what helps us grow. 1 Peter two, 2 says that we need to desire as newborn babes. As newborn babes, we need to desire. Now, how does a newborn baby desire the bottle? How do they desire that bottle? Have you ever, for instance, when when my children were really... In their, in the those first few weeks, and they would be hard asleep, and they would wake up at two o'clock in the morning. You couldn't get the bottle in their mouth fast enough. They're moving their little mouth like this, trying to get their mouth on that bottle because they are so hungry. They have slept through their normal feeding time, and now they've been crying while well, the whole time you've been preparing their bottle. And getting it warmed up, and they are, they are, they're mad because they're so hungry, right? They're hungry. And then, and it's, it's, they're just like little, little mouth just trying to grab a hold of that bottle. And God said, as newborn babes, there needs to be a desire that we have. As a newborn babe, that we need to desire the milk of the word. Why? Why are we desiring the milk of the word? Why are we getting up in the morning after we've been all night long without any scripture? we slept through feeding time, and now it's early in the morning, and we're like, Lord, I'm hungry, hungry for the word, and we're just, give me the scripture, right? Desire, why? So that we can grow. 1 Peter 2, 2, desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow. Without that desire, we're not going to go to the word, and without the word, we're not going to grow. So he's talking about spiritual growth. Now, I want to look at two examples, Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5 and 12. For when for the time you ought to be teachers... You have need that one teach you. So he was saying to this group of believers that you ought to be teachers. But you're not teachers. Instead, they needed someone to teach them again. The first principles, I mean the basics of the oracles of God... They are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. They became that. Hallelujah. They should have been at a different place in their maturity. So length of time saved doesn't make us mature. You can get born again and you can stay right at that place of growth. God's not, God's not moving you to the next grade if you haven't passed the, the, the necessary things you need to know in this grade. The school might do that. They might say, well, you know, you are too tall to be in the sixth grade any longer. You don't fit in the chairs. Right? God's going to say, you can stay at that elementary stage of the word as long as it takes. God's not hateful about it. He loves us. He's patient with us. Sometimes it takes some longer than others. But I'll tell you, the more of the word, the more of the progress. So he says here that they needed milk and they weren't ready for meat. And now he begins to describe the condition. Everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness for he is a babe. A spiritual infant, a spiritual baby needs milk about who they are in Christ. And if you don't know who you are in Christ, you can't move on to the next level. This is the basic. This is a, 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 ground, a, a, a ground level understanding. If I don't know who I am in Christ, I'm not going to pray right. I'm not going to deal with the devil right. I'm going to be pushed around. I'm going to be a victim. I'm always going to be praying, oh God, please. I'm going to be praying desperate prayers. Because if I don't know who I am in Christ, I won't be able to take what belongs to me and resist the devil for things that I don't have to put up with. So he says... If a person is unskillful in that word of who they are in Christ, their position in Christ because of the new birth, because of the, the, the bloodshed, because of the, the cross, if they're unskillful in that, they're not going to move on. They're going to stay on milk until they gain an understanding of their position in God. Hallelujah. The greatest thing you can use your faith for is not a car. The greatest thing you can use your faith for is not to pay off your house. We can use our faith for natural things like finances and and the material possessions, but that's not the greatest thing, and it shouldn't be the first thing I become skilled in using my faith for. The greatest thing you can use your faith for is an understanding of who you are in Christ. The righteousness which is of faith says... God doesn't have to come down from heaven. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say if Jesus was here, I'd get healed. I'm not going to say that. What am I, I'm talking about Romans 10. The righteousness which is of faith says, do not say. Right. Why? Because I know who I am. I know I have the word nigh me. I know who I am in Christ. I know I'm a child of God. I know that I'm bought by, with the price. I know that I am, the, I am Satan's master. I have the authority in Jesus' name. There's nothing the devil can do to me if I don't let him. Amen. But how do I know that? I don't know it here. It was spiritually discerned. I saw it in my spirit. I can see my place in Christ. I see myself seated together in heavenly places with him. I see myself an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. I see myself in the spirit with my spiritual eyes. I have a spiritual understanding of what has taken place. And it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen because somebody laid hands on me. It happened because the word was revealed in my spirit and it became alive to me. It wasn't just something I was taught intellectually. And there are some people who approach the Bible with their intellect and they shut their spirit down instead of allowing their spirit to reach out and let the light shine of who they are in Christ. So a person who is unskillful in the right standing they have with God, is still in an, in an elementary level, a baby. Hallelujah. I know y'all all want to go by redeemed and righteous by nature, so you can study that, right? Because that is the greatest thing we can use our faith for, to know who we are in Christ. So this, in verse 14 shows us what happens as we complete the process of maturity. Strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, and that's not talking about natural human years. It's talking about a process of maturity. Strong meat belongs to those who are matured, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised. So the Word, and this is where we actually kind of ended this morning, the Word is what helps me to develop my spirit so that I can make spiritual decisions about my life. So your born-again spirit, the real you, the inward man, the hidden man of the heart, What will cause you to develop and become skilled and strong in your spirit is the word of God. The word of God is spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 6 verse 63, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So the word of God is the spiritual nutrition that your born again spirit needs to be able to mature. So, I'm going to give you four points to how you develop or train your born again spirit. Number one, meditate in the Word. I'm talking about the condition of your spirit, how to bring your spirit to a place of strength and a place of maturity. Number one, meditate in the Word. Meditating in the Word is not reading as many chapters that you can in a day. Because you can read five chapters and not remember what you read. Meditating in the Word is chewing on it. The Word, and we went through Joshua chapter 1 and Psalm chapter 1 this morning, but but let me tell you when it says you will meditate day and night in both of those verses meditate is a word that is best defined in the strongs in the, the Hebrew language it says to mutter and it means like a cow chews its cud well a cow a cow doesn't eat real fast and swallow it like a dog that just grabs it off the floor. I can drop something and my dog will grab it for its eve. I'm like, you don't need to eat that. Like, that's not for you. Right? But she just, it hits the floor and she's standing there waiting for something to hit the floor and boom, she's on it. Right? Well, eating fast is, is not the objective where spiritual food is concerned. He wants you to chew on it. So a cow a cow will get out in the pasture and just pull up pull up grass into its mouth and then it holds that grass in its mouth and it chews on that until it becomes a ball of grass we call it a cud the cow's out there you can look at that cow and that cow's just standing out there chewing And just chewing its cud, and and, and it's got that grass. It's just been picking up grass, and it's just chewing it. But then it will swallow it into its first stomach. And a cow has more than one stomach, and so it, it goes into that first stomach, and it rolls around in the acid or the stomach juices, the digestive juices, and then it regurgitates it and chews that over again. Now, I know it sounds disgusting. But the the reason the Holy Spirit used that to describe how we are to feed on the Word, that we need to be holding that Scripture in our mouth. We need to be taking it into our heart. And then we need to be pulling it back up out of our heart into our mouth. So we start with it on the page, and we're chewing it, just like that cow's pulling it off the ground, pulling that off the ground. I'm pulling it off the page. And I've got it in my mouth and I'm chewing on it. And I'm saying, 1 Peter 2.24, 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes, I am healed. I'm chewing on it. Chewing on Isaiah 53. Surely he was wounded for my transgressions. Surely he was bruised for my iniquities, the chastisement necessary to obtain. I'm chewing on it, and I've got it down in my spirit, and then I'm, I'm walking around through the house, getting ready to, to straighten my hair, and I get over there, and I say, surely. I pull it back up. I just regurgitate it right back up into my mouth and chew it some more. Surely. Surely he was wounded for my transgressions. Thank you, Lord. Surely he was wounded for my transgressions. Surely he was wounded for my, I'm now I'm chewing on it again. And then I, I swallow it back and then I'll go on throughout my day and I'm getting ready to get in the car and go, go to the post office box and, and surely I pull it back out again. Got it, pulled it back up into my mouth. And by doing that, we get more nutrition out of it okay. than if you just scarf it down. And while well, I ate it, I read 25 chapters this week Yeah, but how much did you digest? How much really got in you? Right? Right? So he says, meditate on it. Now, I want to go to, we're we're not going to go, but mark it in your notes, Joshua 1, 8, Psalm 1, 1 through 3. But I want you to turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And let's look at verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Does does your soul need to be saved? Verse 19 says, he's talking to brethren, wherefore, my beloved brethren, and he's telling them they need to have their soul saved. So they're, they're alive unto God, but there's still a process. There's still a renewing going on in the soul, and there's still a development of their spirit. And he's telling them how to, re- how to have this, this development. He says, receive The engrafted word. Can you show me the amplified? Receive the engrafted word. That's the part I want you to focus on. What are we supposed to receive? The engrafted word. Hallelujah. The amplified refers to it as the implanted and rooted. He says, let every man be uh, quick to hear. Hallelujah. I want 21. Sorry about that. 21, so get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness and in a humble, gentle, modest spirit, receive and welcome the word which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save or renew or restore. The word save is soteria and it means, uh, it means restoration. It can mean rescue it's a, it's a wholeness word, similar to shalom, the peace that comes from being made whole. It's a wholeness word. So it says the power to restore your souls, the power to make your souls complete is when the, you receive the word to, so that it becomes implanted. Now, if you ever take a plant you can, you can engraft one plant into another and they become one. You can, you can take a clipping off of one plant and you can open up the stem of the other and you can merge that plant and it will grow together and become one. And what he's saying is you should be putting the word in you till it you can't separate you from the word. Where does Marie start and the words stop? Where does the word stop and Marie start? She's been, the word has been engrafted into her. You can't separate them. She's word built. That's the design for every one of us. God wants us to be receiving of the word until it becomes one with us it is implanted and and we're growing in the word to the point that you can't see that you can't separate and pull aside well that's the word and that's you no i i'm becoming one with the word i'm letting the word uh, assimilate me what was the 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 cyborg or whatever i'm being assimilated by the word right until i become one with the word I need it to be implanted. I need it to be engrafted in me, and then I'm going to walk in the light of it. I'm going to live by it. It's going to become the strength of my life. So meditating in the Word. Number two, practice the Word. It goes on in the very next verse and says, Be doers of the Word. Be doers of the Word. So the hearing of the word is only for the purpose of doing it. The hearing of it is not supposed to be the end-all. The hearing is just the impetus. It's the beginning. It's the initiate, then the activation. When I'm hearing it, now I can do it. So I, I need to be hearing for the purpose of doing. It says, "Be ye doers of the word not hearers only. It's possible to just be a hearer and not a doer, but we don't want to, we don't want to take that option. That's not an option for me. I'm going to be the doer of what I'm hearing. I'm going to apply it. I'm going to act on it. Hallelujah. It says in verse 25, whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty. He's talking about the word. Whoever looks into the mirror of the word and continues looking, whoever looks and continues or perseveres in looking, can you show me 25 in the amplified? Hallelujah. We want to we look into the word and, and continually check ourselves in the mirror of the word. Whoever looks carefully into the faultless law, the law of liberty, and is faithful to it, and perseveres in looking into it, being not a heedless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys. That's you. I just found you in the Bible. That was worth you coming to hair, combing your hair, and coming to church tonight. You just found yourself. You are the active doer who obeys. Amen? That's you. You will be blessed in the doing. Where's the blessing activated? In the doing of the word. I'm, I'm meditating on the word and I am practicing the word. Hallelujah. Number three, give the word first place. Give the word first place. Not your opinion, not the popular opinion of the day. Not whatever everybody else is doing, not even previous experience. Give the word first place. So Proverbs chapter 4, of course, we're not going to turn to that, but I'll just uh, rehearse it for us. Attend to my word. Incline your ear to hear it. Do not let it depart from in front of your eyes. Keep it in the midst of your heart. The purpose of the word is to get it in the heart. The hearing it, the seeing it, the, the, the looking into it is to get it in the heart. Amen. And then he says, out of your heart flows the issues of life. So he says, give the word first place. I do want to show you two questions. It's the same question in both places, but let's look at Romans 4. And I want you to adopt this because it is scripture. So when, when a situation comes up, Romans chapter 4, let's look at verse 3. When a situation comes up, you know what to say. You know what to ask. You know this is the response I give. Romans 4, 3. For what saith the scripture? What saith the scripture? Now, hold your place there. Look at Galatians 4, 30. In both of these, we see the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is teaching, and how is he teaching? He's he's saying, what does the Scripture say? Galatians 4 and verse 30, nevertheless, what saith the Scripture? That needs to be our approach. When we hear things that make us turn our head like this, you know, like, what? What does the Scripture say? Now, it is possible for you to prepare your heart to condition your spirit so that God can effectively lead you with the light in your spirit and you don't have to be deceived. You don't have to ever be deceived. If you'll learn how to say, what sayeth the Scripture? And then ask the Holy Spirit. Because just because somebody is popular, or just because somebody is on TV, or just because somebody has, has a, a, a book on a subject, doesn't mean I shouldn't check right here and say, Lord, what does the Scripture say? Do you remember Brother Hagan, He said... He said when he was healed, he had been a month and a half in bed, paralyzed from the neck down. Jesus healed him as he stood on the word, and he got up that morning, went to breakfast, came back because he was still very thin and very weak. And so he came back to lay across the bed, and as he's laying across the bed, the day he got healed, as he's laying across the bed, he hears a voice say, it is appointed unto man wants to die. And then he, at the same time he heard, your life is but a vapor. It is appointed unto man wants to die. And he said, I knew that was Scripture. I knew that was in the Bible. And it was so dramatic. He said, I could hear it. It was like reverberating in me. I could hear it. And I thought, God healed me, and now he's going to take me home. So he sat there all day waiting to die. His mother came in and brought lunch to him and said, Honey, what's, what's something the matter? And he said, I didn't want to tell her, but, you know, I'm just waiting to die. God's going to take me today. And he sat there all day, and he's waiting on God. He's waiting to God, and he's thinking about what that, and he's like, well, I know it's Scripture. I know it's in the Bible. Life is but a vapor. It's appointed unto man who wants to die. Evidently, God's going to take me today. And he said, as he sat there, he said, just up in, just a still, small voice in his spirit said, with long life I'll satisfy you. But he compared that still small voice in his spirit, he compared that to how dramatic it felt when he heard, it is appointed unto man once to die. He said it was, it was so dramatic that I believe that dramatic over that still small voice. And he said, so I'm sitting there, all day and and he said again just up quietly in my spirit with long life I'll satisfy you and show you my salvation and throughout the day three different times up in his spirit came with long life I'll satisfy you and show you my salvation and finally he said he said lord is that in the bible and the holy spirit said it's in psalm 91 and he said, I reached down under the chair and picked up the Bible that had been there the whole time, but I hadn't opened it. See, the enemy was trying to appear like it was God with that, with trying to use the Scripture. Did the enemy use the Scripture against Jesus? Did the enemy say, go ahead and throw yourself, the angels of the, uh, are encamped around about you? He was trying to wrongly use a scripture against Jesus. Right. And he tried to use the scripture to convince Brother Hagin that Brother Hagin was going to die. But the Holy Spirit, with that still small voice, led him here. Not out here, not in the sense realm, not in that spectacular realm, but right in here in his spirit. Hallelujah. There was a woman who, um, she had been raised in China, and when her and her family had moved over to the United States, they were very strongly uh, Buddhists. They had Buddha in the house. I mean, big Buddha statue in the house. She gave her life to the Lord and she was saved, and they were in the process, you know, cleaning out all of the things of the, the the false religion that she had been involved in. The church that she was going to had a Bible study group, and she was, uh, you know, connected with that Bible study group. And a guest minister was ministering a seminar in another in another church in town, and the pastor decided to take his Bible study group over and support what this other church was doing in this seminar. And so the first day, he said it was kind of okay, but he couldn't quite put his finger on it. But the next time that they went for the Bible study, he said it was about two or three times before I realized this guy was off. And he said about the third night, he went way off. And he, he started, he said, I went up to the minister at, after the service, and I said, uh, man, you went, you, you said some things. I want you to show me what, where that is in the Bible, what saith the Scripture, right? Show me where. And the man looked and said, I've moved beyond that a long time ago. Well, he tried to pull his Bible study out of that group. But some of them were already intrigued and decided to stay. And he lost a number of, of the people to that error. But he went and talked to the young lady who had just recently got saved. This new convert who had been in, in a Buddhist all those years. And now she's a Christian living for Jesus. And he went to her. And he said, you know, we're not going back to that Bible study group. And she said, Pastor, after the first night right here, I knew I couldn't go back. She knew here something that the other people overrode. She said, I never went back after the first night. I knew there was something wrong. That Just right here in my heart, I knew I can't keep going to that. That's what we need to prepare in our heart, that we are meditating on the Word, being doers of the Word, giving the Word first place so that the Scripture can help us get, stay on track and maintain that course. And then number four, instantly obey the voice of your spirit that's not number one or number two or number three you can obey the voice of your spirit if you've been doing one two and three because when your spirit is feeding on the word meditating on the word being a doer of the word your human spirit it will be safe for you to follow what you hear in your spirit God wants your spirit to be conditioned, like we saw from Hebrews 5, exercised by the use of the word to be able to discern what I need to stay away from or discern what I need to involve myself in. Amen? Glory to God. You never have to be deceived. And God gives you a good a good pastor who he helps us with feeding us the word. Not going to do it for us. He's not here to direct our lives for us. He's here to help us learn how to receive from God and follow God and serve God with all of our heart. Amen? Praise God. Have I helped you tonight? Stand with me to your feet. Father, we are so thankful That you have brought us into your kingdom, making us alive in our spirit and able to interact with you, receiving from you, learning from you, walking with you in this life. We're so thankful, Lord, for the light that you have provided from your word to help us stay on track and to help us mature for the purpose and the plan that you have for us. Thank you, Lord. Just lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord, for helping me grow. Thank you, Lord, for teaching me your word and your light in Jesus.